Glory to God. On Sunday, I began a series, or, or, or I began a portion of a message entitled Diagnosis and Prescription. And I want to go through the beginning of the message. I just want to refresh your memory a little bit. And in the beginning of, this, of the message, I said that it is the heart of God and it is the will of God that we as his church represent him as light bearers in this dark world. God wants us to be the light that shines in the midst of the darkness. Jesus said that he was the light and he also declared unto his disciples, you are the light of the world. And so he was communicating unto them that you have a responsibility to share the light of my life, to share the light of my revelation, to be the light that shines in the darkness. God does not want us to allow the darkness and deception of our days to overwhelm the light of his revelation or to, to hinder that light, not just overwhelm that light, but also to shade the light. Say, God don't want us to be shady. Mm-hmm. He, 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 he doesn't want us to be, you know, lit up, but, you know, dimmed out by other things. He wants us to shine brightly, shine freely and shine clearly. And the only way we will do that is by embracing what his word says. In order for us to be the most effective in representing him, we must be a people who are truly living as Christians, not religious folks. We got, a, we got a lot of religious folks, but we, we, need, we need some true Christians that are going to live this thing out. And what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, we went over this last week, but it is to be a person who has been awakened by the Almighty God, a person who has been empowered by the Spirit of God, and a person who is passionately devoted to making his name known for good during their days upon the earth. A Christian is someone who has been awakened, a person who has had an encounter with God, a person who has been waking up from the death they were walking in and is now living in a new life. That's what a Christian is. Not just that, but not just that they woke up, but that they got up and started walking this thing out. They woke up. They didn't just realize they were in a messed up situation. They turned their life around by turning to Christ and allowing his spirit to empower them. And as a result of that, because they were sleeping and they were living a life thinking they were awake, but they were really asleep. Now that they woke up, they realized, my goodness, I was asleep all of this time. I thought I was living, but I wasn't living. I thought I was existing. I was taking up oxygen. Hello. Mm-hmm. But, but I wasn't truly living, and then and, and therefore, since I'm awake now, now I, I, I desire, I want to be filled with the power of God. For what? So I can feel good? No. No, I want to be filled with the power of God so that way every day of my life I can demonstrate his life out there. I can make his name known, and that is what God desires from us, his children. He desires us to be full of his power and that we will be passionately devoted to that. And I want to pause for a moment because I believe it's vitally important that you hear that last, passionately devoted. Two things here. Christians are passionately devoted. They're not just passionate one moment. Hello, somebody. They're not just passionate for something. Now, 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 you're going to go through ups and downs. Amen, somebody. You're going to have your moments that are going to be tough. You're going to have all. We're going to have those things. But a Christian is someone who is awakened, who is empowered, and who is passionately devoted. That through the ups, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to reflect him. I'm going to radiate him in my life. And in the downs, hello, somebody. Even in the down moments, in those moments, you know what? When I'm in a valley, I'm not just going to look for the light. I'm going to be the light. Did you hear what I just said? I, I, I know we like to wait for the light at the end of the tunnel. The problem is, 
the, 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 the issue, I, I know this is Friday night, but can I preach? Glory to God. I, I, I know you thought you were coming to Friday night so we get quick and we get away for the weekend. Look, I got all night to preach. I set y'all up. I'm going to be here all night. Glory to God. Uh-huh. Listen, listen, listen. The, the, the thing is, you know, we, we go through those high moments and it's wonderful and glorious. And then, you know, the world told us you got to wait for the light at the end of the tunnel. What about the light that is walking with you through the tunnel? I'm just waiting for my breakthrough. You are your breakthrough. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You, 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 you are your breakthrough. You need to learn to let that word come out. Let that word be that light that is the lamp unto your feet, the light unto your path, wherever you. So when I'm in the midst of the high place, oh, it's easy to shine brightly there because everything feels good. My smile is bigger. Wait, look, I just feel great. Glory to God. But when I go down to the low moment, church, we've got to be passionately devoted to reflecting him and glorifying him no matter what we're feeling. Because this ain't about feelings, y'all. This is about faith. This is about faith. This is about walking by faith in this and living this devoted Christian life. I gave you a, a ratio um, last week, and it was that the, the, the conversion ratio in the United States is about 85 to 1 a year. So for every 85 people, there's one person that gets saved. And I said that as a church, the body of Christ will either respond with complacency and be like, whatever, or they will respond with humility and say, God, use me to make that number a little bit different. Mission-mindedness, church. Mission-mindedness is one of the clearest expressions of Christian living. Last week, we talked about this. The first step that we must take toward becoming this mission-minded person is we need to get a biblical diagnosis of the condition of humanity that burdens our hearts to the point of action. We went through all of these scriptures. If you're taking notes, you can write these down so you can meditate on these. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. That's the entire chapter there, almost the entire chapter, I believe. And you can read that and look at what God says through the Apostle Paul about these latter times. You can look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 through 9. That's another scripture that shows us some things about these days. You can look at the book of Jude, chapter 17 and verse 19. We went over these scriptures. I don't want to go over them again, but what I want you to realize is that the scriptures give us a biblical diagnosis of our days, but we do not just need to know right here what is going on in our days. It needs to grip us right here what is going on in our days. See, we need, to, we, 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 need, we need to come to the place that we say, you know what, God? I know what your word says, but I want your word to move me to action. I know what your words declare, but I want your words to move me to live a life that is different, a life that is going to cause change in the atmosphere wherever I am, a life that is going to cause a difference, a life that is going to truly reflect your power and your glory. Because the word of God is there not for us to say, oh, well, that's going to happen. No. It is to burden our hearts. Like I said last week, there are too many Christians that have too much knowledge and what it has produced is a callous Christianity rather than a contrite Christianity. We become a people that we see stuff going on. It doesn't even affect us. It doesn't bother us. It doesn't break our hearts. It doesn't do anything to us at all. We as Christians here in the United States, I want you to know we have it way, way easy. Easy. There's a story that I got. I was going to show it to you, but I forgot really that I was going to show it to you, so I'm going to just share it with you. But it was a YouTube, it's a YouTube story, and it's about this girl, and I'll send it to you if you like it. It's about this girl. She's giving her testimony. I believe it's called Shafia's Story. And it's a woman who is a Christian convert from Islam, and she lives, you know, somewhere 
where the, it's the nation is entire, entire, you know, Muslim. And she is giving her testimony, and she's talking about what happens to them for being Christians over there. Now, I want you to understand something, and this is pretty graphic. She's giving her testimony, and she's saying because she is not a Muslim and she is a Christian, what they do is they will take these women, and they will not just beat them, but they will rape them to try to get them to convert to Islam, to renege on Christ. Now, listen, I, you know, I, and, and I don't know why, but to me, that's worse than a beating. That's just me. That's worse because you got to live after something like that. You can get a beating. I took a beating for Christ. But listen, y'all, and this girl, she wasn't, like, devastated. She was holding on to her Savior. She was loving on her Jesus and ready to die and go through whatever for him. We got it easy over here. When I talk about being devoted, listen, ain't none of us, nobody in here that I know, is gone through something like that for being a Christian. For just saying you want Jesus, for just saying you want eternal life, for just saying that you recognize that your life is empty. Church, we need to be these people that are living this life as loudly and as proudly as we can. Who are living to the full who take advantage of the freedom that we have in this nation and that we would truly be that light. I was reading a book by David Pratt. He's, a, he's called the youngest pastor of a megachurch in the United States of America. He was offended by that title. He, you, you would think, hey, man, a guy's going to be excited, the youngest pastor of a megachurch. And he wrote a book in response to his offense. He's like, hold on a second. He said, I, and he gives a description of this, of this prayer meeting, and I forgot that book at home, too. I was going to read that to you also, but I just, it, it, was, it, it was just the first chapter of the book. But as he's reading, you know, as, as he's reading, you know, as, as he's writing, should I say, he says, you know, he says there's a house. And, you know, he's, he's doing it, you know, like in the third person, I guess, and he's saying there's a house, and there's a group of people inside of this house, and they're there in the evening, and they're all having a prayer meeting, and they're there. And he said, and, you know, they're sitting around in a circle. They're, you know, just praying, not, not loud or anything like that. They're praying. A knock on the door comes, and this big burly guy goes to the door. You know, it looks like a bodyguard type guy. You know, they're going to bounce you out the house. And he goes, and he open, opens the door. Someone comes in, and they come into the, into the house. You know, they're all together. He says, and in, in this group of people is a bunch of pastors. And he said, and that big burly guy that you saw that you thought that he was just mean and rough, he's a pastor of a church. And he begins to speak and he begins to share with the people how his people are being taken away because they're confessing Christ. How his people are not, are, are not being left alone. How they're being persecuted and tears rolling down his face. And these people begin to cry out to God, not saying God deliver us from this persecution, just asking God, move in this place, move in this land, bring revival to these souls. Give us the wisdom to bring salvation. And the reason why this man was offended is because all of this time he said, I was sitting in that circle of these people and I saw what it really cost what Jesus was really worth to people and that is the question that we have to ask ourselves when we're looking at these things we know what does Jesus mean to us and what are we doing with him outside what are we doing with him and taking him to this world because if we're going to look at the scriptures and we're going to get the biblical diagnosis we've got to be moved to action just like I gave the example last week if your doctor takes blood tests and all of this stuff and he sees levels are imbalanced and everything is messed up indicating that there's some issues he's not just going to say well we'll see him next year when he comes in no they're going to send you a letter someone's going to call you and tell you we need you to come in because we need to see you because there is something abnormal going on and I want you to realize that God 
did not create anybody to perish and burn in hell. That is not it. God did not create people to suffer the way that they are. God does not rejoice in the death of the wicked. This is what the Bible says. Therefore, we need to realize that and be moved to some kind of action. And sometimes, just sometimes, we got to get off our own little pity pot. Mm-hmm. Amen. Sometimes we need to just shake that off, you know, about, you know, whatever. I don't know, you know, whatever we go through, glory to God. You know why I share these stories with you? Because they encourage me. Pastor Rob was sharing about his sister. And he said, man, I ain't going through nothing. See, he can look at that situation and say, man, come on. Whatever I'm going through, it doesn't compare to that. And listen, when we're talking about being a Christian, and being persecuted in those ways and going through all of that stuff and still living louder and prouder. Come on, church. Living louder and prouder. They don't have any different Bible. They don't have any different Holy Spirit. They have a different understanding of their need for Christ. Hmm. For too long, church, for too long, we have bought into the lie that revival is the work of preachers, church leaders, the spiritual elite, I gave you the example of the reserved seats, and I said that, you know, a lot of times we feel like, well, they're more spiritual. No, shouldn't be. Every one of us that is in here is called priest, meaning that we have right to intimacy. Every one of us that is in here is called kings, not because God is making us all masculine. He is simply saying we all have authority, equal authority. Equal access to intimacy. Equal. It's, it's an equal and level playing field, church. Bottom line, we need to be the people who are walking out there in the authority of Christ. Now, just because we're equal in authority doesn't mean there's not a God's order in the home and all of that stuff and in the church. That, 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 that doesn't disregard that. But we are equal in responsibility before God to represent him. Repeat this after me. Say, we must take the second step towards mission-mindedness. The first step was that we need to get a biblical diagnosis. And so we clearly see in the word of God that it teaches us that the diagnosis for our days is prophecy being fulfilled. That's the diagnosis, period. The scriptures promise that these days are going to be like this. Perilous times are going to be here. The scriptures promise that we are going to live in a time where men are lovers of themselves, that they are lovers of, of, of money, that they are boasters, that they are proud, that they are brutal. The Bible says that all of these things are going to be like with, like this, unthankful, un, you know, uh, disobedient to their parents. This is what the scriptures teach us clearly. That's what it's saying. That's the diagnosis. So then in the same way that we see this diagnosis for the scriptures, for the, for, for the condition of our world, then we need to get a biblical prescription for this world. Remember what I said last week. It's not about you and me. It's not about us. It's not about our feelings. It's about us making a difference in this world. And so how are we going to do that? Well, the first thing we got to realize is that God's prescription has always been the same. His prescription has always been the same. It is his people. His people. His people have always been his chosen, his elect, glory to God. The ones that he elected for what? Just to be, yo, we down? No, 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 no. He chose us for something awesome, for intimacy with him. And so we could represent him in this earth. We, the people of God, the church of power. That, 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 that's the prescription. If you're taking notes, that's what it is. The prescription is a church of power. And I'm going to use that word power as an acronym tonight. And I'm going to talk about just those, those, those few things right there. And this is what is a church of power. The first thing is my favorite topic, and y'all can guess what that is. Prayer, glory to God. A church of power 
is going to be a people who are prayerful, a people who are prayer-filled, and a people who are filled with praying power. That is what is going to be the beginning thing that we see is a people. When you look at your Bible, and we've gone through the book of Acts and Bible study from, 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 from the first chapter to the end. We went through it and we saw consistently throughout the scriptures. We saw something awesome and wonderful that the church began in prayer, that the church continued in prayer. And then the apostle Paul communicates that we should be devoted to prayer, says that we should pray without ceasing. And when we think about the praying without ceasing, I know that there's the one way that we try to point it out. How is it possible for me to pray at all times and pray without ceasing and to be in communion with God? And that is wonderful, and we understand that. But can I, can I back up for a moment, and can I really talk about what it means to pray without ceasing? It means to have a devoted time that you are coming before God consistently, that you are coming before him on a consistent basis, and that you are seeking him day in and day out, that you don't miss that time, that that is your time, that you are praying without ceasing, that you are a person that between five and six, seven, Seven and eight, whatever time it is, one and two, that you are found before God crying out to him. That is what it means, church, to be a person who is praying without ceasing. And if we are going to be a people of power, got to have prayer. Must be prayerful. So the question is, because I want to give you some questions, obviously, I want you to question yourself. Are you a person who is consistently praying? Not a person who's thinking about God. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. We all think about God. Look, people who don't walk with God think about God. Did you hear what I'm saying? People that don't walk with God, yeah, God God is with me. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know about all that right there. You sure? You positive on that? God's going to take care of that. Why? Why why is he going to take care of that? What guarantees you? There's some people that, you know, they have a faith. And, you know, whatever it is, I was talking to my grandmother today, awesome conversation. I had had the privilege of spending six hours with her in a car, glory to God. So, you know, we had lots of conversation, praise the Lord. But, you know, we had, we had some really good conversation. We, we spoke about, you know, the things of God and, you know, how she was, you know, growing up and how important it is to have that foundational time. You know, my, we were talking about my niece and one of my nieces, you know, she's really stirred up about church. I mean, she like, she's going to church and, you know, she's, she's there. I went, I went and visited with her and she was telling me, you know, she's like, yeah, you know, Theo, I'm over here and I'm in, in church and I, she's singing with the, with the choir and I'm like, praise God, that's awesome. And she's like, you know, and, and I, and I want to be a pastor and I'm like, praise the Lord. No, you don't. But I, you know, I, 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 I don't tell her that, but, you know, but, but, you know, she's, she's, she's excited, you know, and, and I'm, t- and, and my grandma and I are talking about this and we're saying, you know, we got to make sure that she continues on in that path. And I said, because it was the same thing with me. See, when I was a little kid, I used to love my favorite story in the Bible, probably still is, David and Goliath. You know, and I was, I was, you know, always into like, you know, wrestling and muscles and all that craziness. I left, I left the muscles somewhere, but anyhow, you know, um, <laughs> glory to God. So, so, so anyway, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I, and I would sit down, I remember sitting down in my grandmother's bed with her, and I'd be like, Grandma, read, read, read the David and Goliath story to me. And she read it to me every night, and I read it, and you know, and she would ask me, you know, so what, what's the, what, what do you get out of that story? And I said, well, it doesn't matter how strong you are physically. It matters how strong you are in God. Simple revelation, just a simple yeah, little kid, you know, I don't know, I was like eight years old, something like that, nine years old. And that's all I understood. And I said, that foundation is part of who I am today. Because all of these years, see, now here's what happened. While, while I was living this crazy life, there was still, like I said, I thought about God every once in a while. Hello. 
The more the church that my grandmother and I were going to were praying for me, the more my mother started praying for me, suddenly I started thinking about God a whole bunch more. I started to recognize, man, hold on a second, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in sin. I started realizing these things. I started recognizing the righteousness of God. I started recognizing judgment. I told y'all I was messed up out of my head, and I was sitting down with one of my friends, and I was like, man, you know, the rapture is going to happen, man, and we are going to be taken away. And he's like, that's cool. And I'm like, who told you about the rapture that you're saying that's cool? It ain't cool, glory to God. Not what I heard. That ain't cool. Hello. You know, I was like, that, that, that's crazy. That's not cool. I don't want to be here for that stuff. I don't want to go through that. And now, mind you, as I've grown, you know, my, my opinions and my understanding of stuff has changed. But here's, here's, here's what we got to understand is that the foundation was there. There was a foundation that was laid. And you know what? It's based in what? My grandmother said it. We learned to pray. What was one of the things that led me? My grandmother used to tell me, you need to pray every night. I'm like, yes, I do. Hello. Because if I die, before I wake up, I know where I'm going. Hello, somebody. And I wasn't raised in a Catholic church, but I don't know. I had some Catholic tendencies. I would pray every night. be like, Father, forgive me for every sin I just did, even though I'm going to do them tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't say that part, you know, because I was like, I'm just going to make sure I don't put that in there. Just in case I don't wake up, you know, maybe I fake God out, right? You know, I wasn't going to do that tomorrow. Hello, somebody. <laughs> right? Fake God out. Be like, you know, do, do a little crossover. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Hello. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Rajon Rondo. Hello. Okay, anyway. Um, Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. My grandmother said, ask for wisdom. I'm like, well, I guess I add that to my prayer at night. Father, forgive me for all of my sins. Give me wisdom. Mm. They, they got me to go to a Bible study. Went to a Bible study. Guess what they're talking about? Prayer. Anything you ask in my name, I'm like, there it is. So now, now that there, there's something inside of me wants to be heard, right? So now, now I'm, going, I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you the truth. Father, forgive me for everything that I've done. Give me wisdom in Jesus' name. <laughs> every night, no matter how messed up I was, no matter, every night I would lay down and pray the same thing. And you want to know what? It was because there was, that, there was a consciousness in my, in my head that I knew that God existed. I was just too busy doing my own thing. But the reality is, when you look at this foundational piece, church, it has got to be there. We have got to be a people who are prayerful. We have got to be a people who are devoted to seeking the face of God. Unhindered. Seeking him like he needs to be sought. The second thing that we have to be, if we're going to be a people of power, is the O. We have to be an outreaching people. We've got to be a people who are not just focused on us, but a people who are focused outwardly. A people who are not just praying for our breakthrough, but are praying for the most important breakthrough, which is the salvation of souls of those who are outside. We must be a people who are outreach-oriented. In other words, a people who are seeing the world around us, the immediate world around us, as a mission field, desperately needing the revelation of God. One of the most important things, I love, you know, overseas missions and all of this type of stuff. I don't necessarily like the word missionary, obviously, because I don't find it in my Bible. I see that there's evangelists. I see that there's apostles, prophets, pastors, and all that good stuff. And what I understand is that there are people who are called to go overseas and minister. There are people who have been called. I mean, they are burdened by God to go and reach the lost. That is not everybody, though. I can guarantee you that. That is not every single person that is sitting in the church, but every single person that is sitting in the church should be burdened about lost souls. 
Did you hear me? Every single person that sits in the church should be burdened about lost souls. There should be something that is going on inside of our hearts regarding those who do not know God. When we go out into this world because we are a people who are prayerful, our perspective will begin to change. The way that we see this world begins to change. The way that we see those who don't know God begins to change. We begin to view them from an eternal perspective, not from a natural perspective. People who begin to affect us, what begins to happen is we begin to get a burden to pray for them because what? We're reading our Bibles, amen somebody. We're talking to God and we're seeing what Jesus says that we're supposed to pray for our enemies, we're supposed to love our enemies and all that stuff and what happens is as I'm seeking God, those things begin to come up inside of my heart and what happens to me? I begin to cry out for those who do not know God and then I become outreach oriented and that's the kind of people that are going to be part of the prescription for what God wants to do in this earth. The third thing which would be the W, is we must be a word-founded people. We must be a people of prayer. We must be a people who are given to seeking the face of God. We must be a people who are reaching out to others, who are outreach-oriented. But we also need to be a people who are word-founded, which means that our motive in prayer must be the word of God. Our method in outreach must be the word of God. And the word of God must be our all-around security and source of life. Listen, I know some folks like to watch Dr. Phil. Hello, somebody. And I, I, I know we like to get counsel from all kind of, you know, areas and all kind of, you know, leadership this and all kind of people that know. Listen, listen, listen. The greatest counsel that you are ever going to receive is right here from this word. Amen. The greatest counsel that you are ever going to receive is going to come directly from God Almighty. And it is important for us that we realize how important it is for us to be a word-founded people. A people who are truly standing upon this word. A people who don't just know this word, but a people who are standing on it, who are standing behind it, who are standing under it. A people who say, God, this is your word, this is your truth, and I want to live this truth. Hello? I want to reflect this truth. I want to be this truth. I, I preached this, a, a series a while back. I talked about a, a word become flesh movement. I talked about us taking on this word and letting this word overwhelm our lives. If we're going to be a people that are going to be a prescription for this generation and for this world, then we're going to have to be a church of power. So that means that we got to be founded in this word. Our prayers, again, when we go back to the scriptures, we see what the will of God is. Our prayers are motivated by that. When we look at the people who don't know God, our outreach is, 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 is motivated and our methods and outreach come from what? Come directly from the scriptures. Come directly from the word of God. We're going to be the prescription for the world. We got to do something about it. The fourth thing here is that we must be an expectant church. Say expectant church. We must be a people who are expecting. What are we expecting? Well, our hope must be in the resurrection, that great and awesome day of the Lord, the fulfillment of our salvation. We must be living for eternity with eternity in mind. Turn your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 3, please. I want to show you as we read last, last uh, Sunday and we talked about these scriptures here where, where um, Peter was confirming what the apostle Paul said, 2 Peter chapter 3. And, we'll get, and we will begin reading in verse 3 again, and we'll continue on. When you got to say so. And it says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, 
walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they, will, they, they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but, in long, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Continuing on. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. So what kind of people are we supposed to be? An expecting people. Hastening, expecting, looking forward to that great and awesome day of the Lord. Living holy and righteous lives, not because we want to be holier than thou. Not because we want to be Mr. or Mrs. Religion on the earth. No, not because we want people to pat us on the back because we are so perfect or we know so much. No, we are living this way because we are looking forward to this blessed hope. Because we are looking forward to the day where there will be no more tears, where there will be no more sorrow. We are looking forward to the day where there will be no more fear where there will be no more pain, where there will be no more worry, where there will be no more discouragement, there will be no more debt, there will be no more dismay. We're looking forward to a day when the heavens open and God says, my son and my daughter, come up and reign with me. Come and be with me for the rest of it. See, that's what we're looking forward to. That's what we're living for. The problem is that we begin to live for the next breakthrough on this earth, not living for the breakthrough into eternity. And when we start living for eternity, then we become a people who are focused on different stuff then we become a people who are able to apply what I said earlier which is while I'm going through the valley I still know I'm going to reign in eternity therefore while I'm here the light can shine brightly because my destiny and destination is not here I'm not worried about getting to the top of the mountain I'm worried about crossing over the line of eternity and entering into the glory of God see that is what we've got to live for church but when we're not living that way we're not prayerful when we're not living that way we're not outreach oriented when we're not living that way we're not word founded because because what? We're moved by our emotions and everything else. And it is time, church, that we become a people who are truly expectant, who are truly waiting on the coming of the Lord, who are truly looking forward to that. And not just looking forward to it, church, but that we are running after it. That we are running after that day. That we are looking forward to the day when the heavens open and God calls us up. Hallelujah. That everything that we have, that we have fought, every, see, see, when we talk about Shafia and we talk about these other people that are suffering, you know what? They're not, they're, they're not praying to God about the persecution as much as they're just saying, God, we just want to be found faithful. Because all of this hell we're going through now, we know that it is nothing to be compared with the glory that will be revealed. A prayerful people, an outreaching people, a word-founded people, an expecting people. 
And lastly, the R is my favorite of them all, a radical people. We have got to be a radical people. And rather than give you a definition of radical, I just want to tell you the opposite of radical. We have got to be the opposite of conservative or moderate in our devotion to God. The opposite of conservative and moderate in our devotion to God. These are antonyms of that word, radical. Conservative, moderate, relaxed, chilled out, laid back. Listen, church, that is not what Christianity is about. We're not called to be laid back in any way, shape, or form. We're not called to just be chilling. No, we are not. We are called to live radically for God. And why is this radical devotion so necessary? It was funny because when we were watching the John Bevere video, he began to speak about the curse that broke out in the land and how one of the sons of Aaron came and he, you know, took the spear and he stabbed, the, and, and, you know, and he stabbed this man and this woman and he did this radical act of, of you know, of, of, um, of sacrifice and it stopped the plague that was coming in the land. I thought that was awesome because when I was writing my notes prior to, obviously I had these notes last week, when I was writing down and I looked at this radical situation, I understood something. One of my favorite shows, and you guys know this, is The Dog Whisperer because I have a new dog, praise the Lord. And so, you know, obviously... I can't get Pastor Robert to come train my dog who knows how to do it very well. Hallelujah. So I have to deal with the dog whisperer. Glory to God. So I watch him. You know, I get with the dog whisperer. I can record, you know, dog whisperer all the time and all that. And one thing that he says all the time when he's dealing with, you know, certain cases, he'll have an aggressive dog. And this aggressive dog will be, you know, like all, you know, hair standing up and he's ready to, you know, jump or he's ready to do whatever he's going to do. And then he'll tell the owner, now you need to correct the dog. And so the owner, Pastor Chad, come here. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you as, as, as my dog, all right? You know. <laughs> I, love you, I love you. I love you. Okay. So get, get in an aggressive position. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Okay. So Pastor Chad is my dog. Just envision him. He's just here just so I can do, do a move or whatever, okay? So, so, so he's aggressive. He's looking at, you know, Luigi like he wants to go over there and bite him, right? Okay. So, you know, growling, right? All that good stuff, right? So now the owners will go, stop. Now, this dog was all hair standing, you know, just, it just, just ready to go. He's, he's, he's ready to go on, on this person. And what, and what, you know, Cesar Milan will say, praise the Lord, slow down, all right? Okay. What Cesar Milan will say is you have to be equal in your intensity to this animal. If you want this animal to respond to you, right, you have to be equal in your, so if the dog is like this, you can't go, hey. Because he's going to be like, right? You need to get his attention. Be like, yo, you need, you need to knock him off balance. He's showing, he's showing how strong he is right now. He's like, see, Bishop, you can't push me. You can't make me move. See, but anyway, so, so glory to God. Give Pastor Chad a hand. Hallelujah. I love you. What he says is true. If this animal is in an intense, aggressive mode, if you are going to cause the mindset, because what it is, is you got to trigger the mind. The mind has to respond. Now, here's, here's something I can tell you. My dog, prime example. In my backyard the other day, you know, she's, she's a puppy. So, she, you know, she get out in the backyard and she'll start running from one side of the yard to the other like she's crazy. I mean, just out of her mind. And, you know, I'm like, all right, good. Go ahead and run. Have a good time. Well, the other day, I went out in the backyard. I don't know what I was doing. I was picking something up. And she's running in this crazy mindset or whatever and when she runs I guess she twisted her you know her leg or whatever in something and so she went like that and she went oh right now <laughs> y'all you see me <laughs> y'all are just too much 
here's what happened. She was around. She's, see, you can't. She was running in the backyard. Her mind was engaged in running, jumping, hopping. But something happened that totally altered her state of mind. She twisted her leg. She hurt herself. Something happened that made her change her mind quickly. I mean, she went from running to now limping, and she was real like, you know, if you were to try to grab her, but, you know, while she was running back and forth, you would have had no hope, you know, unless you could catch her, and you probably wouldn't have caught her. It's not going to happen. And so the fact of the matter is something occurred that shook her. Something occurred that changed her. And what you've got to realize, church, is that, and I, see, I don't know about you. I, 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 can, I can talk about me. I was devoted to sinning. Did you hear what I was saying? I was devoted to living foul. There was no question about that. I was out there. I was living that life. I wasn't half-stepping. I wasn't faking like, okay, I'm at, no, 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 no. I was living this life. I was intentional about everything that I was doing out there. And as Christians, how do we expect to come into a world that is intentional about doing their dirt, that is intentional about living their way, that is bound by sin, that has an enemy that is influencing them? The Bible says that the God of this world, who is that talking about? That is talking about the devil, has their minds blinded. How do we expect to enter into a world like this that is devoted to what they're doing, committed to what we're doing with a little passive, Hey, you need Jesus. And I'm not saying you guys, hey, you need Jesus. That, that's not what I'm saying either. Because that ain't, that ain't going to change anything. That's going to make them not want to see kids jumping. Glory to God. He woke you up. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> now I know what to do. Glory to God. See somebody just yelling the mic. It'll wake them all up. Hallelujah. It's not about how loud you are. How powerful are you? Do you hear what I said? How powerful are you? And not in your own power, in the power of Almighty God. See, because if you're a person who is devoted to prayer, you're a person who is devoted to outreach, you're a person who is devoted to the Word of God, you are a person who is living expectantly, you're going to be radical automatically. And not radical like, see, like, like, like just loud. Not radical like just rude. Hello, somebody. Because that is a form of radical. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a people who are radically devoted to prayer. First and foremost, a people who are radically devoted to outreach. A people who are seeking God and saying, you know what? And they're not just saying this, hoping it doesn't happen. They're saying this with a burden in their heart. Father God, lead me to someone today who needs to hear about you. See, because some of us pray that prayer, but we're like, God, really don't do it. We're hoping in our heart, God, don't really lead me in that direction. We're not looking, we, we, you know, Father God, you know, pray, you know, no. But that we get on our face before God and we're saying, God, lead me. And so you want God to lead you, you need to walk out your front door. Don't just sit in your house and say, God, lead me, I'm just going to stay home today. Because then you ain't saying, God, lead me, you're saying, God, bring me somebody. Hello, somebody. Listen, don't no fisherman catch fish from his living room unless he, like, lives in Alaska over some kind of igloo or something like that. I don't know. Over an igloo. I don't even that didn't make no sense. But anyway, you know what I meant. Living over some kind of ice. All right? You understand what I Okay. All right? Living in an, living in an igloo over some... Anyway, y'all got it, okay? No, no, no. Nobody's catching fish and, and, you know, watching TV. You could have 3D and whatever. You still ain't catching nothing. Hello? 
Thought you caught it, but then you realize I had glasses on. That's all, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-uh. I ain't going to say that. that. That's wrong right there. But anyway, anyway, glory to God. You want to catch fish? You got to go out to where the fish are at. So what does that mean? Well, there's plenty of places. Jesus, you look, look, look in the book of Acts. Where were they at? They were in the marketplace. Don't we have the Oviedo marketplace? Walmart, glory to God. There's all kind of marketplaces out there. Go to the flea market. Hello. Try to get there early because it would be hot in the afternoon. People would be irritated. They'd be like, I don't want to hear none of that right now. Know what you do? Take, take, d- decide to go to the flea market and decide to buy somebody something. Listen, you know what? You look really hot. Can I buy you something to drink? Be like, huh? I, 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 I want to just buy you this. I want to I sit down with you for five minutes while you drink that drink. Hello. What, what, look, the fact of the matter is that we're just not creative with God at all. We're just like, we just sit back and just, okay, hold on a second. Can we just be led by his spirit, empowered by his spirit, and go out there and win people to Christ? Hello? When we're looking at this devotion, church, this is, this is being radical, saying, God, I'm all out for you. I am 100% given to you. And that's what God is looking for. That's what he's looking for in us as people, that we will be those kind of people, that kind of people with power that are walking in this earth. So here's the reality, church, and I'm getting ready to close. The diagnosis and the prescription, they are clear. There's only one question. Are you going to be the prescription? They're clear. Scriptures are clear. The reason why I always go back to the book of Acts, because that is our history. We always talk about, you know, history repeating itself if you keep doing the same things, right? We always look at that as a negative thing. Is that not true? Don't let history repeat itself. What do you do? You change what you're doing so history doesn't repeat itself. Is that not common sense? Hello, I'm sure that we've all heard that from our parents. You keep doing the same stuff, you go, same thing's going to happen, right? Okay. So let's flip it around to the positive. If you want history to repeat itself, then what do you need to do? The same things that were being done. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. Hello, somebody. We simply need to look at the instruction manual and say, how did they do it? How did they bring revival into, how is it that they were known for turning their cities upside down? How'd they do it? They did it by being devoted to prayer. They did it by being devoted to reaching others. They did it by being devoted to the word of God. They did it by being a people who were expectant. Whenever they were going through hardship, you find nowhere in the scriptures where the apostle Paul or any apostle or any preacher ever comes and says, hey, you're not going to go through this hardship anymore. This thing's going to stop. That's not their encouragement. Their encouragement is that anybody who desires to live righteous in Christ Jesus is going to suffer tribulation. The beauty of it is, and the encouragement is, that the present suffering, not comparable to the glory to come. So you continue living for him. You continue walking with him. You continue being that person that he's called you to be. And don't sway to the left. Don't sway to the right. You're living for something much greater than your breakthrough right now. And we, church, have this power right here. The reason why I believe the Apostle Paul said that he knew how to be abased. He knew how to have nothing. He knew how to have everything. Is because when he had nothing, he was still winning souls. 
When he had nothing, he was still impacting people with the kingdom of God. When he was getting beat up, he was still impacting lives. Look, he communicates it. He says there's some people that they preach the gospel for the wrong reasons, and I don't even care. I'm just glad the gospel is being preached. Why? Because he cared about one thing, and it was that people were getting to know God, that people's lives were being impacted by God. And listen, you do not have to be a preacher to have that kind of heart. I heard one pastor, he was saying something. I think it was in one of the books we had to read in Bible college or it was in one of the, in one of the lectures. And he said, you know, we preachers, as a matter of fact, it was Leonard Ravenhill in one of his books, Why Revival Terries. And he says, you know, we preachers, he said, we get a whole lot of credit that don't belong to us. He said, because you know what? He said, a lot of what we see And he began to go down the list of all the people that are praying for him all over the place. He said, a lot of what is happening through my life and ministry, it's not because of how great I am. It's because I got a whole bunch of people that don't forget to mention my name in prayer every day. I have a whole bunch of people that are praying and seeking God's face and saying, God, use Leonard Ravenhill. God, use this man of God. God, open his mouth. God, open his eyes. God, open the doors for the gospel to go forward. God, use him to change lives. And because of that is why the power of God manifests like that, church. So what am I saying? I'm saying that, you know, you have people, the Bible talks about widows who are given to prayer, who are given to seeking God's face, they're the ones that get just as much credit when they go before Almighty God as the great preacher who's eloquent. Why? Because they are storming the heavens and seeking the face of Almighty God. They are stirring the heart of God. And they may not have all the gifts of the Spirit. They may not flow in all kinds. But you know what? They know how to seek God's face until they see the power of God move. And above everything else, that's what we have to be. So again, the prescription is clear. Diagnosis is clear. The question is, do you believe it? And if you say, yes, I believe what God says, then you and I must become that prescription. Hear me, church. God needs nothing, and he needs no one. Yet, he has chosen and entrusted this work to each of us. We are each empowered to be the prescription of salvation and deliverance for this lost world. Let's all stand to our feet.